Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome into episode 96 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan and Jamie Eisner. I'm Luke Lipinski. How's it going, guys? What is this voice? You're way too happy. I, you know, I got to bring the energy. This is an exciting show. We're going to have John Rosen, LA Kings Insider, on later on in the show. We don't pay you extra for bringing the energy. Just, just FYI. Oh, also, case. Craig brings the energy because we get Starbucks. Well, I'm reacting to the energy that Craig brought to This is our first time having coffee pre-show in like a month. It's been a while. Think how different the Coyotes roster. Is that hard for the two of you? Yeah, because because yeah, like coffee when I'm going. Luke and I are too lazy to go to Starbucks. It's it's really more that yeah, Jamie's too lazy and I just can't be on time anywhere. Well, you have bad experiences in the Starbucks. Yeah, lines you have too. nightmares and yeah, you're never on time. So, two bad things. You know, I just said it. You don't need to celebrate it like that. No, no, I just I just want to drive that point home. No, thank you. The only thing you love more than your lunch dates is being late to your lunch dates. I do love being late to this show. Uh, episode ninety six is the Pavel Bure episode in his later years when he was. Uh, where was he when he was 96? Still Vancouver? Doesn't matter. Wow. This is starting off our uh, our summer series of previews. I'm feeling the energy drain from this podcast. Well, you, he told me I don't get paid extra for energy. Uh, later on in the week, Friday, we're going to have Tracy Myers of CSN Chicago on to talk about the Blackhawks, because that makes sense since she works in Chicago. And we're also going to preview the Carolina Hurricanes, who want to be the Chicago Blackhawks. But for today, we're just going to look at the LA Kings and some of the uh, news and notes around the league. But first, a special announcement from Jamie Eisner. Special announcement. Yeah. No pressure. Uh, yeah, no pressure. I, I won't screw this up. <sighs> now, just letting our listeners know, we are no longer on Audio Boom. We have moved platforms to Blog Talk Radio. If you're listening to this right now, well, you've obviously figured out a way to listen to us, so congratulations. You are very smart, intelligent, and just, just what we would expect our listeners to be. But if you're curious why you can't see us on Audio Boom anymore, that is why. We'll still be on iTunes, same feed, uh, through fanragsports.com. The, at the Natty Hattie on Twitter. Natty Hattie! Yes, there it is. So you can listen to us all your favorite ways. Whoever you've normally been listening to us, unless it's Audio Boom, you can still listen to us now. And uh, I didn't check the uh, Natty Hattie for potential questions, but I will throughout the show as, as Craig talks, or maybe just for the next podcast. Did Jamie just compliment our listeners? I'm just. No, I love our he, listeners. He it's complimented just, somebody. It's well, you guys I can't stand. I, okay. I mean, that part is clear. I, it almost felt a little patronizing to the listeners, too, if you really think no, about it. No, me? See, it's that sarcasm and, and that sass that nobody needs on a Monday. Nobody needs it, but I will provide it anyway. It's like a bonus for listening to the show. So, where do we want to start nationally? Victor Arvidsson, seven years, $29.75 million. Uh, I don't know why I know Victor Arvidsson's exact contract numbers off the top of my head. It's kind of concerning. But uh, considering the numbers he put up last year, that seems like a pretty team-friendly deal. Yeah, teams seem to be shading toward the side of let's lock up our young guys as long as possible, even if it costs us more up front. Yeah. I mean, we're starting to see more of these, well, I guess, I mean, there's always been big deals seven, eight years, but usually these types of players weren't getting six, seven, eight-year deals right off the bat. But I think teams are trying to say 
we need to lock up these guys because if we don't, we pay for it very quickly down the line. And now it seems like bridge contracts mm -hmm. are just, we can't negotiate close enough number, so here's a bridge contract versus what it used to be before, where it was more of a prove it to me and then we'll give you big money. And it's really hurt teams before Ask Montreal and P.K. Subban. That line in uh, Nashville, I mean, I guess it's basically going to be Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, and, and Victor Arvidsson. And that's sort of your offense. Everybody, if you look at their other forwards, it's kind of, oh, maybe this, maybe Pontus Aberg can step in and be a little bit better uh, consistently over the course of his first full season. Maybe some of these other guys can chip in some offense, but they're going to be really reliant on those top three. And I like Victor Arvidsson, and he had great numbers last year, but that was really his, his first year of doing anything like that. So I know that the perception is it's a team-friendly deal because of what they're getting him for on average per year compared to what some other players that, that probably haven't accomplished quite as much are asking for. But there's some risk, too, just because now you have him locked in for seven years. It's, it's a team-friendly deal from a financial perspective of a per-year cost. It is a player-friendly deal in the fact that it's going to be seven years. Yeah, he's pretty well just locked in. I mean, not like I think he's going to go out there and, and just not do anything next year because he got paid or anything like that. He's still very young uh, at 24, and he's, you know, Nashville's a team that's going to potentially contend for a cup. But 31 goals last year, he had eight career goals prior to last year. Now, he had only played 62 career NHL games, but you can still do the math. Eight goals per 62 games is a lot different than 31 per 80. Thank you. Correct. Think of me as the you, human you calculator. You can't of the get that analysis anywhere else, only here on the Natty Hattie podcast. Now, Craig has performed, or, or, I guess, Perform. prepared a, a monologue about Victor Arvidsson that's going to last the next 12 minutes. So go ahead and deliver that now. No, I haven't actually. This no. will be one of those situations where we have dead air. We're okay. me. All right. I have nothing more to say about this. You guys have covered it. I feel confident. Any, uh, any other signings stand out to you? There's been quite a few these last no, couple what, days. What stands out to me is that nothing's going to arbitration. Nothing's going to arbitration. What's going on here? This is where Jamie steps in and makes some sort of arbitration joke with Victor. No, I, I didn't. Oh, okay. See, Although I, I think I that's a good thing because arbitration is not good. No, it's it yeah. is bad. You have to actively talk down a player you're hoping to sign to his face is never a good thing to do. Now we do it to you, Luke, because we think you can handle it. Oh, I, I know my true value is higher than you guys could ever imagine. Sure. See again the condescension in his voice. Now it's, I, it's exactly what Jordan Martinuk's agent said. You set me up. He tried to set me up until you interrupted. Well, because I accidentally yeah. read your story, your Craigslist uh, yesterday. Accidentally, and uh, that should be a weekly reading. It just clicked on it. <laughs> there was as long as it's open. His hand slipped. And <laughs> Jordan Martinuk's agent Jeff Halpers, and this is true. It's, just, it's 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 an awful experience for all parties involved. The team doesn't want to say the things they say. The player doesn't want to hear it. And the agent certainly doesn't want to hear it from the team because you probably have to negotiate with them again. So this is his quote. Arbitration is a hard thing for a player to go through. You have to sit there and listen to teams tell you how much they think you're worth. And sometimes it doesn't come out the right way. It often doesn't come out the right way because this is, this is business, right? You shake hands at the end of the day, but there are some hard things to hear. So to not have the player go through that and get the number we wanted makes everyone happy. It's basically, it's not you, it's me, except it's, it's not me, it's you. That's what arbitration is. There, there's, no, there's, there's no way, again, if you want to try to win the arbitration case, there's no way you can't, just, you can't be soft about it. Yep. You have to be direct. And present all, the, all your uh -huh. perceived evidence. And Here's why you're not worth the money. And, it just, yeah, and you don't just forget about it. Even if no. that player wins, they're not yep. just going to forget about the words you just said about them. You just them. need the earmuffs. And the, you're basically going to court against somebody that you want to work with. I mean, that's sort of an odd way to, to rekindle no, that's a... That's a perfect way to describe it, actually, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Uh, before we get to John Rosen, 
thoughts on the city of Houston, mm. Craig? Just in general, or just? Yeah, you know, I mean, they had a football I drove, team. I drove through there once. They, they had, they still do. No, they had. They have a different they one. They finished, and then they came back and got a new one that's uh, well, in the same division as their old one It's now. not one of my favorite cities to visit in the U.S., but. Well, it's not Amarillo. It is certainly one of the NHL's favorite remaining potential markets. With Les Alexander's decision to, we, we've talked about this before, his decision to sell the NBA's Houston Rockets. He's been a thorn in the NHL side for a while. This opens up Houston again, and the NHL is still in love with this market. Make no mistake, they love this market. They want to be there. They tried to be there a couple times, and I think they will try to be there again. This one's intriguing to me, guys, and I don't want to play alarmist here, but there's an imbalance in the, in the two conferences right now. The Western Conference needs a team. We've heard about Seattle for the longest period of time. The NHL does love that market too, but they still don't have an arena. Houston has an arena. So how does the NHL view this market right now? Do they view it as a potential expansion market? Because there's oil money. There might be, you might be able to get some big investor, get $500 million more or maybe even a higher price tag by the time expansion comes along to disperse among your owners. Or do you look at this now and say, we have two Western markets. One could be an expansion market. The other might be a relocation market. And for the first time, I, I, and I don't, again, I don't want to play alarmist. We haven't heard any reason to believe this at this point. But if you're the Coyotes right now and you can't get an arena deal done down the road, you suddenly have a market that is probably better than the Phoenix market available with an NHL-ready arena. Absolutely, and I think there's no reason to not be attracted to that market. The TV market, the, the size of the population, the, the how, much, how many sports that are played there. You know, I, I assume one would assume if you, if you were playing with just the two, Seattle and Houston, you may be, Houston's probably a more attractive market for someone to pony up an expansion fee versus a relocation fee. It, it's very, very intriguing. It's a good sports market. It's about the fourth largest city in America. It's, it's a top... I don't know if it's top eight TV market. I mean, there's a lot to like about it. The other thing with Houston, I mean, Craig, you mentioned it. I mean, you, you have imbalanced uh, conferences right now. So I would assume if, if, let's just say the NHL in two years or whatever says we're expanding and it's, it's between Houston and Seattle, you'd think it's Houston right now, correct? Well, Houston has everything you need. There's, there, there are no roadblocks anymore now that Les Alexander is going to be out of there. The other thing that is sort of intriguing about Houston, if, if you're looking – you know, when you're looking at, at, if it ever came down to you have the 32 teams and then you're looking to relocate, where Houston is situated, there are other teams in financial with financial questions at this point. And there's teams from the east that have that. I mean, if you, if you moved a team from the east to Houston, you could just still keep them in the east just because of where they're located. That's true. You, you could look at that and then and still use Seattle as an expansion market. That, that is a possibility. You, of course, you still have Quebec wondering if they're ever going to get a team and they have an NHL arena ready. But in, in terms of markets, there's, there's just no comparison. Now, people can say, well, the fan base is so much better in Quebec. It's, that's one of multiple considerations when you look at corporate sponsorships. All about When you money. look at the size of the market, the TV market, Houston blows Quebec away in, in all of those measures. And it's another U.S. market for a TV deal. I mean, they're just, yes. there's, it's all about the money. The passionate fans are nice, but it's all about the, the dollar. All right, we're going to get to L.A. Kings insider John Rosen right now to get some, uh, some insight on the first team we're going to preview this summer and uh, probably one of the teams with the biggest range of potential outcomes. We'll, uh, we'll talk to John here in just a second.
All right, we're joined now by John Rosen. You can find him on Twitter, at LA Kings Insider. He is the LA Kings Insider. He also does some work for Fox Sports West. And I believe he, this is now his third appearance on the podcast, which would put him at the top of the Hall of Fame of podcast guests, almost regardless of what he says today. John, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm also a big uh, appreciator of howling. Uh, and every time we, uh, we come to Glendale and come into Arizona, try to uh, acknowledge. Maybe this year I will actually count how many times uh, we hear howling over the course of uh, of a Kings-Coyotes game. Generally in the series, you hear it quite a bit because they tend to be higher-scoring games than you would usually anticipate between those two teams. That's true. But uh, that's our project. That's that's what I do. That's, yeah. that's the next thing that we're doing. Are you recutting? Are you recording this and cutting it up? Are you producing anything from this? Or? I I uh, I'm not sure how we would do that, but um, you know, I, you, we would have to kind of discern what is just like in the stock howling like you know there's a script of which like the game operations is supposed to you know following like there should be howling here 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 <laughs> and then you know maybe the you know the coyotes score six goals in that game it's like hearing the cannon go off repeatedly in columbus so uh, we we should see like which game would set the record this coming season all right well that's something to keep an eye on but let's talk more immediate things in, uh, starting with the team that you cover the la kings big picture question right out of the box here uh What's the path forward for this team, John, now? And, and does that path include a realistic assessment of this roster, which has you know, missed the playoffs two of the last three seasons and hasn't won a playoff series since raising the Cup in 2014? Yeah, I mean, I think there's any realistic uh, evaluation and honest evaluation across the league. I, I don't think any GM is, is sitting there, you know, blowing smoke, you know, trying, trying to, you know, make something or, 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 you know, turn something, you know, which is, you know, not going correctly. I mean, we can all look back at when Calgary took a little bit too long, perhaps, um, to, to really go back and have their rebuild. But there are, you know, too many instances of, of teams, you know, that, that are recently in that type of a position. I mean, obviously, you, you want to stay away from the middle of, uh, you know, the pack of NHL teams, which you're, you know, neither a contender nor a rebuilding team, and, and then you're not getting the draft picks year after year. But that might be kind of where the Kings are at right now. Um, you know, I, I, there's always an honest evaluation of the roster. I think what they're going through right now is, is just trying to see how they can wring every last bit of offense uh, out of the current group that they have. Uh, and that's going to be a challenge. The Kings tied for 24th in the league uh, in goals scored a year ago. Um, they had a defense that was probably a little bit better than the sum of their parts and, and probably played a little bit above their heads. I mean, they were, again, a top 10 defensive team, even though they were rotating three rookies uh, in and out of the blue line uh, over the final two and a half months of the season. So, um, you know, you're always going to get the good goaltending when you have Jonathan Quick. I know he hasn't always shown well against the Coyotes in his career, um, but they should have enough to, again, be in that mix of teams that should probably be fighting for one of the depth spots in the Pacific Division or for a wild card. And there are just too many teams in that group right now. Um, so it's, it's going to be an interesting season. But uh, the long way of answering this question, is I could have just said they're trying to find more offense. They need offense. And they're going to draw up more systems, new schemes to try and provide that goal scoring because that hasn't been there the last, uh, at least last year. Now, obviously, they've had a lot of success under Daryl Sutter. Now it's a new coach. Now it's John Stevens. Uh, John, in your mind, how different will this team look uh, this season under John Stevens, and, and will they play a, dr a drastically different style of hockey? 
we don't really know un- until this team takes the ice. Everything that they're saying right now is that we're going to take everything that we had from the Daryl Sutter era, uh, the ability to win the possession battle virtually every single night, work the puck into the uh, opposition's end, that, that's still that heavy physical brand of hockey. They're just looking to create more offense to go along with it. Um, when John Stevens was introduced as the Kings coach uh, back in April, there were some really interesting discussions on how, and pretty candid discussions about how they were looking uh, to try and generate more offense with the current group that they have, because they obviously have some salary cap concerns as well. And one of the things that they're going to be looking for is players who are able to distribute the puck from the perimeter into high danger areas of the ice where goals are scored. They want to be very strong down the center of the ice. They have two excellent centers uh, that should be capable of playing that way as well. Um, so it's going to be very interesting. There's going to be an emphasis on getting the center of the puck into the high danger areas um, because you, under Daryl Sutter, as much success as the team had and as terrific and airtight as that system's play was under Daryl, who was a phenomenal coach, um, you, they just weren't always able to turn that possession advantage into such a clear advantage of not just scoring but also high-degree scoring chances uh, and down the line. They have always been an excellent team at suppressing, suppressing the opposition's uh, scoring chances, suppressing the other team's shots. This past year, ever since the 2011-12 season, was the Kings' best year in suppressing uh, scoring chances. Um, so they're going to take, try and take the best parts of what they've already had uh, and then, again, combine that with that new ability to try and generate some offense. But is that something that's going to happen immediately? Is it something that's going to happen over time? The Kings do not have uh, you know, the, the same type of a prospect pool as the Arizona Coyotes have. So... Um, there are players that they're going to try and fit into maybe third, maybe fourth-line roles, perhaps players that, that have a higher ceiling than that that can play in the top six eventually. Um, but it's going to be an interesting, maybe transitional year. Um, and and that's, that's, that's the state right now. They're, they're kind of a middle-of-the-pack uh, NHL team right now. Well, one, one way to generate more offense is to get more from Anze Kopitar. Second on the team in points last year, but it was far, far from the, the peak that we've seen from him. Are the Kings confident that that last year was just an anomaly, or is there more to be concerned about going forward? I I wouldn't be concerned with that. Um, There were a number of factors that contributed to his subpar season this past year. Then, again, you can look at it on the other hand, where he was somebody who has a $10 million cap hit. He actually made $14 million last year. Maybe he can battle through some of those factors. Uh, In the end... Um, no, I don't think he'll face the same kind of degree of, uh, you know, the death by a thousand paper cuts as he kind of dealt with this past year, dealing with a first half injury, uh, dealing with an extended season that went even before the World Cup and into uh, Olympic qualifying while he played with Slovenia last August, early September. Um, and then on top of that, it was a rotating door alongside him uh, up front uh, in 2015-16, a year the Kings had a very good offense. He was dynamite with Milan Lucic, especially over the second half of the season, even when the Kings weren't winning games regularly late. They were excellent. Their goal, the team's goals for for 60 minutes together when Kopitar and, and Lucic were on the ice was 3.76. Uh, so you go from that uh, and then to a little bit more of a revolving door, and that's one of the questions you have about the team this season. Who's going to play with Kopitar? They didn't have that regularity last year. It was Dwight King at times in the first half. Trevor Lewis was a good stopgap solution. But after that, if you move to Foley up to play with him, then you're kind of exposing somebody on Jeff Carter's line. So it's, it's a difficult when you don't have that type of depth. But going into this year, uh, Michael Camilleri is going to probably get that first look to play alongside Kopitar. Uh, eventually, when Marion Gabrick comes back, could have an opportunity there. But 
Uh, then again, you're, you know, there's still those wings surrounding him where you're not sure if you're going to be able to get that 60 or 82 game season out of them. So, um, that, that's going to be something to watch. He should bounce back. I don't think there is concern. There is no concern amongst the team. Um, but there, there should be a, a healthy bounce back for both him and also Tyler Toffoli, who played through a, uh, a lower body injury this past year. All right, staying with this for, for one more question, where is the offense coming from in your mind? I, you mentioned Camilleri as a possibility, but outside of Carter and Pearson, what are they thinking? Um, they're looking for a, a hope that just with the change of the way that they enter the zone, uh, the zone entry, to be able to distribute the puck into the center of the ice instead of just trying to go strictly on shot volume, shots from the point, deflections, screens, rebounds, tips out in front, um, that, that there will be some, just a, the same group will be able to grow. I mean, you went from Tyler to Foley with a 31-goal scorer uh, in 2015-16, and he didn't crack 20 this past year as, as he was injured for a, a good, you know, the middle three, four months of the year. Um, so just by having the same group, they should uh, I- I improve slightly. Um, but once you get past that as well, Younger players that have some upside, I like what Johnny Brzezinski brought. He was a goal scorer through his three years at St. Cloud State University, someone who could eventually, who has the speed to play and the pace and, and, and the rhythm and the cadence of the modern game. He should get a good look. Um, they still can stand to uh, ring a little bit more production out of their back end. Uh, you know, I think that they're expecting to see Paul Adieu as somebody that can grow into a power play type of a role. Um, younger players, obviously, Adrian Kempe is still very young and has to make the team first. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if they try him at center or wing, uh, but it's another player that uh, has probably the highest ceiling out of any of those young players uh, um, that, that had been drafted you know, over the last four or five years when the Kings hadn't been drafted as high. So it, it, it's going to be a, interesting. I wouldn't expect any major you know, wholesale, wholesale improvements, but um, just being able to, again, improve that incrementally, well, continue to rely on the same type of airtight distance play that they've uh, enjoyed under Daryl Sutter is something that could be a, you know, enough of a boost in the standings to close the gap uh, as they were last year. All right, John, this is a somewhat loaded question, I guess, but Dustin Brown has five more years left on his deal. Uh, he's Maybe the new style of play helps him. Maybe it doesn't. But where do you see him slotting in, and does he have to be a top-six player just to justify the money they're giving him? No, he was a third-line type player for most of this past year, and he had a good year for the Kings. you got to just separate Dustin Brown from the contract. Uh, what he provided uh, as a teammate in terms of cold-hard production, he was fine this past year. You're not going to get the same type of 30-goal season that you had you know, back in 2009-10, 2010-11, um, but he was still an effective player this past season. He played in all different situations and, and, and again, contributed minutes. If he's on your third line, there, there's usually no problem there. Um, the, the issue is just the contract that, you know, uh, the real cap uh, crunch for this team will come five years from now, you know, when you're getting into the range of, you know, Dustin Brown at 36, uh, Andre Kopitar at 34, 35, Jeff Carter, you know, 35 years old um, at the very tail end of their contracts. And they're still co- combining for about two-fifths of right now the salary cap. That's going to be an issue. Um, but as of right now, no. Uh, Dustin Brown probably uh, gave some pretty good um, – I don't want to say a preview, but if he if he has about does about the same thing that he did this past year, again it won't come towards justifying the span and massive size of the contract. Um, but he'll be helping his team out. Jonathan Quick missed significant time last year, and the success of the Kings will ride a lot on his shoulders. What is the feeling about his long term health? Sorry, it's really quiet. I can hardly hear that question. Sorry about that. 
No, I said, uh, what is the feeling about Jonathan Quick's long-term health after missing significant time last year? Uh, the team is, it, it, you know, it's, it's hard to predict injury. And what the team realizes now, and they always realize this, but their goaltending depth within the pipeline had been whittled away. You can build around in terms of constructing a roster that allows players like a 1A and a 1B type goaltender where Jonathan Quick is always the, the unquestioned number one, but you can mitigate those types of situations where he runs into those types of, of health challenges uh, if you have that type of a goal-extending pipeline. And for the longest time, the Kings had Jonathan Bernier, they had Martin Jones, uh, J.F. Berube is a player that is uh, you know, more than capable of being a, a number two or number three in the NHL. Uh, and then even you know, when Ben Scrivens came in, and of course you saw the success of Jonas, Jonas Enroth put up good numbers in Peter Budai this past year. Um, so the Kings need to ensure, and they certainly at least got this from their third stringer last year, um, that there is somebody capable of being that 1B-type goaltender. It's so important right now in the modern game to be able to have somebody there for those, obviously, those 20-plus nights where your number one goaltender isn't available. But the Kings have made it a, a, an effort uh, to be able to restock that pipeline. They didn't get Alex Lyon when he went to Philadelphia a year ago, but did uh, connect on Cal Peterson, the Notre Dame goaltender, who's going to go into Ontario and play a major role for that team as well. Uh, they have developed goaltenders, and anybody that has been working with Bill Ranford, other than really the exception of Jeff Dadkoff, who had a rough year, um, those who have worked with Bill Ranford have excelled. Um, so you know what you're going to get from Jonathan Quick. It's important on those days that he's not available, um, as has happened in recent years. Um, that the Kings have to be able to, to find somebody to have that number two, and that goes for any team in the NHL. But uh, you know, he's coming off of a strong season where he played the, the entire season, at least from 2015-16. Uh, that wasn't the case this past year. Um, but regardless of whether it was quick, whether it was food eye, you know, the, the Kings have shown um, that they'll get usually very good minutes out of their goaltending. Uh, it's just, again, in those days where quick is not available, uh, th- that, that's going to be very paramount, and that's going to go away towards determining where this team will finish this coming year. John, it seems like we've been talking about the loss of Slava Bonap for a while now on the blue line. What What is the internal feeling about the state of their defensive core now? Um, I think they're very happy because one of the positives of this past year uh, was that there were going to be a lot of young defensemen who were going to be afforded minutes. Uh, and as it turned out, that the, the minutes that they allotted to, uh, to Derek Forbert, Kevin Gravel, and Paul Ledoux uh, all went to pretty good use. Uh, and these were players that did take steps forward in their development. Uh, again, and this just really speaks towards the Kings' entire structure, uh, but they were what, they were the sixth-best team at keeping the puck out of their net last year in a season in which they were using their third-string goaltender and had, at times, three rookies uh, on the blue line. Um, Derek Forbert was very successful alongside Drew Doughty. The question becomes, is he able to come back and play with people who aren't Drew Doughty? Um, uh, again, Paul Ledoux is somebody that, showed quite well what he could do, and he's somebody that can provide some offense and be that right-handed shot and serve in a similar role to Slava Voinov, but is he able to do that and also help the team win games? Because he was there last year, and these players contributed last year, and the Kings were in a playoff team last year. Um, so something that these players have going for them, again, I'm speaking about Forbert Gravel and Paul Ledoux, is that they're very mobile. They're very good at retrieving pucks, getting the puck out of their zone quickly, and it's so important, again, in the modern game, to spend as little time in your defensive zone as possible. They did a very good job of that last year. Drew Doughty is, at the very least, the best defensive defenseman in the National Hockey League. And I know that the Kings brass seem to think of him as about the best overall player in the National Hockey League as well. 
So they have that Lamborghini stash in their garage. Um, apart from that, what they're going to need is better minutes from both Jake Muzzin uh, as well as Alex Martinez this coming year. Martinez ended up having a pretty good year, but there were lapses. And I know that at the very end of uh, you know this past season, uh, this coaching staff had soured a little bit on Jake Muzzin, and they weren't quite as positive with him uh, as in earlier times. Again, these are all guys that we're talking about you know here who have won, uh, in Muzzin's case, one Stanley Cup, Martinez two, Dowdy two. Um, so, again, he's going to have to bounce back. It's, the question is is whether he's going to play with Dowdy this coming year. That would mean that Forbert might have to be pushed down somewhere else. Um, and, again, this is all in the backdrop of the Kings having graduated uh, some really big stalwarts uh, in terms of not just on the ice but uh, what they meant inside the room uh, and towards kind of the team's collective pulse. And players like Matt Green, Robin Regeer, Willie Mitchell moving on, up front players obviously like Justin Williams, Jared Stoll, uh, you know, Mike Richards, Brad Richardson, who plays for the Coyotes, also a very important, or had played for the Coyotes, another a very important part uh, of that uh, L.A. Kings leadership corps when he was there. Um, so that is a very big question right now. It worked for them, defensive depth, last year, um, and, and that seemed to be a strength of the team, even though it was a little bit young on the back end. Uh, Alec Martinez goes into this year as the oldest member of that blue line. He's not quite 30 years old yet. Uh, later this summer, until he'll turn 30. So it should be fine on paper. It doesn't really stand out to you, but they were pretty effective last year. Uh, and, again, they're mobile, they're active, and they would appear to be the type of modern, puck-moving, spend-little-time-in-the-defensive-zone type defenseman that, that can lead to success. John, in, in terms of uh, prospects with this team, I know you mentioned that the pipeline isn't necessarily stacked, but uh, are there reinforcements, specific guys that you see on the way? And then even more specifically, I guess, with Gabriel Velarde, just because of his build and his upside and the fact that maybe maybe the Kings got a steal there at number 11, is there any chance we would see him this year, or is that out of the question? Uh, you know, I think that's pretty much out of the question. He didn't skate at development camp. He had such a long season. Um, so, so we're not ready yet to, to really start fitting him into penciling him into any sort of plan this coming season. Um, no, I mean, the Kings are a team that, it, you know, there's, they're – Miners and their their farm system reflects, you know the you know what's left after several years of uh, trading assets, trading you know players, trading draft picks, high draft picks to, to be able to maintain your window of you know, Stanley Cup contention. Um, so you know the biggest names as we mentioned, uh, Adrian Kempe, a center who also plays wing, a very good speed. Uh, he had shown early as an 18 year old in the playoffs in the Calder Cup when he scored eight goals in 17 games. Um, that there is the possibility to score. you just got to find that consistency, as so many young players do. Uh, Johnny Brzezinski, I thought he was probably the Kings' best skater in the rookie games against Arizona in Glendale last year. Uh, plays fast, plays with that pace. He'll almost certainly make the team out of camp um, and has been a goal scorer his whole career. Um, then, you know, after that, uh, you have certain other players. Uh, you know, Michael Mersch is somebody. Uh, his skating's got to improve if he wants to be a full-time uh, NHL player. Um, but it's nothing like you're not looking at like the you know Toronto Maple Leafs. There's no you know Mitch Marner or Austin Matthews or you know William Nylander uh, that's a surefire can't miss coming in immediately type player. But um, the Kings have a very very good development staff. When you speak with major junior teams, when you speak with um, you know agents and, and outside people outside of the organization, you know it's regarded as among the very top developmental systems uh, in the entire league. So. Um, they've been able to find that success in plugging players in on that third and fourth line. Uh, the question will be, uh, you know, is there anybody this coming year uh, that can provide offense uh, that wasn't on this team last year? And 
Again, the questions, the answers are still a little bit hazy. Perhaps there is, but, you know, it's too early. There, there are some question marks this year. Uh, John, last question. Is there any internal optimism, hope, uh, that Marion Gabra can come anywhere close to his form two years ago, or is the player we've seen the last two seasons the player they're going to get um, It's going to be interesting to see in this new kind of push for offense and the play which may open up, um, having, you know, Daryl Sutter having moved on. Um, it just wasn't a great marriage, really, last year, perhaps the last two seasons uh, with Gabrick. Um, but you can look back to his 15-16 season, uh, and even though uh, he was a player that was injured at times early in the first half of that season, you know, he still put out, I believe, 28-29 goals that year uh, and was one of the Kings' most offensive threats uh, in the second half of the season. So, you know, the, the, it's again, it's a question mark, and he's probably not going to be ready for the very start of training camp. Um so it, 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 it's still, again, like, like several other factors in this Kings team, we don't know at this point. Um, but again, you know, they, they made a full commitment to him. Uh, in everything that I've been hearing over the summer, it, it, it's still full speed ahead with Gabrick um, and that they're going to need him and his uh, propensity for offense when he does return. But again, um, whether that's going to be regular offense consistency this year, um, that, that still remains to be seen. But at the time of his injury, you know, he's a player that has had injury problems throughout his career. When he first got hurt, uh, the knee injury midway through that 2015-16 season, yeah, he had played in 99 consecutive games for the Kings. That doesn't sound like a whole lot right now, but but that did it represent some very some strong longevity. Uh, you know, in his context, um, shortly after he had signed his, his contract uh, with the Kings. So, uh, question marks, but but it's it's tough to see and, and they're going to need him and they're going to need his goal scoring this year for sure you won't find better insight on the la kings anywhere else john rosen la kings insider at la kings insider on twitter john thanks so much for the time enjoy the uh, the rest of the offseason here all right my pleasure i will thanks guys thanks john thanks john awesome that's john rosen you know we didn't uh we didn't ask him if he's going to China or not, the Kings will be playing You're right, we games didn't. against the Vancouver Canucks. There, I'm the assuming he's going. Yeah, I would imagine. I feel like he. Uh, we'll have him on again and ask him about that trip. <laughs> we'll have him call in from tell China. Us, help us understand why the NHL is going to China, John. <laughs> no, uh, a lot of good stuff there. A lot of insights on the blue line specifically. Is it's sort of you look at their numbers and the Kings in terms of allowing goals last year, they were great. They were, they were top third in most categories defensively. They were top five in a lot of categories and goals against, I believe they were sixth. And yet you look at the defense and you're like, well, Drew Doughty's great, but he doesn't play 60 minutes. So how are they doing this? They don't have a lot of other names around him, but they got the job done. They do. And part of that system, that's, it's what Sutter preached and they did it so well under him. You know, you, you talk about trying to increase offense, get a little more offense from this team. Are they going to be the same defensive team and possession team under a new coach? It's all, those are all question marks, all things you have to wonder when, when a new coach comes in and installs his new, I hate using the word systems because it's overused, but, you know, his new philosophies. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's, that's the incredibly intriguing part because, as John talked about, the Kings have been very good at suppressing shots, which has allowed them to throw out, at least on paper, a less than stellar decor. If they're taking more risks, if, they're, if they don't possess the puck as much, maybe because they're going for more higher risk offensive plays, will they be exposed on the other end? Will they be any better or will they be different? And I think that's what we want to see next year. I find it interesting, two of the teams that have been the best in the NHL over the last six, seven, eight years, Chicago Blackhawks haven't won a series since they won the Cup now three seasons ago. The Kings haven't won a series since they won the Cup four seasons ago. 
uh, you know, Jonathan Taves hasn't had a whole lot of great line mates necessarily, and Anze Kopitar really hasn't either. They're both getting paid a lot, and, and there's obviously very high expectations, and they were both two of the very – they still are two of the best centers in the league. But a couple years ago, I mean, they were right there in the top three or four. Production hasn't shown it, and part of that is because both teams have sort of taken away from, from their particular lines. See any similarities there, Craig? Yeah, absolutely. But the, then look at Sidney Crosby and the guys he's played with, and yet he makes them better. If you're making that kind of money, and I think John alluded to this, you know, you have some issues. you got to work through those. If you're making this kind of money, you need to be the kind of guy who can take on those sorts of challenges and still make players better. Otherwise, you're probably getting overpaid. Before we wrap up here, where do you guys see the Kings in terms of just the, the landscape of the Western Conference? I mean, they, they still have playoff upside, but they haven't looked like it the last two years. Although, you, you listen to John talk there, and, and he's right. A lot of guys didn't play to their potential last year. But in my mind, it's kind of hard to evaluate this team with a new coach and potentially a new style of play because, like you said, Craig, we don't know if the defense is going to be worse now just because they're trying to find more offense. Yeah, I think that that's going to be the big issue because, again, like we talked about, or like we're going to talk about uh, with Carolina and we do our preview this Friday, I don't see who drops out in front of them. It's, it's not just good enough to get better. If they even get better, and that's, again, we still don't know, that's not always good enough. And I'm not sure. You know, you have Dallas that was behind them last year. We expect to be better than they were. You know, Winnipeg has a lot more offensive potential, but they have, still have some issues in net. I don't see who drops out. I think Nashville wasn't as good in the regular season as we thought they would be, but they showed in the playoffs how good they can be. Maybe they continued their ascent. Calgary's gotten better in the offseason. I don't think San Jose maybe drops out a little bit, but they maybe have one or two years left of being a relevant playoff team before they completely have to switch gears. I just don't see how L.A. is going to be significantly better next year or seeing teams in front of them being significantly worse. They really haven't added anybody. And so, in a way, and that, you know, John Stevens may come in and be a fantastic coach, but I feel like you're, you're, you're giving him a broken down car and saying, make a truck out of this that works. Or at I mean, least an old car, right? It's, yeah, it's an older it's, car. It's been on the road for a while. And, yeah, it's not what it used to be. But you're telling him to, to fix it without adding a new engine or any sort of new anything. You're not adding any horsepower or anything. I mean, this is the same team essentially, and maybe they, they score more, but maybe they give up more chances. And, you know, Jonathan Quick should be healthy, so you have to, you can't assume an injury or predict an injury, but it, the bottom line is they just, I don't know what they're changing. What, what they are altering could feasibly make them worse as well. Craig is being handed money under the door again. Yeah, once again, uh, as a recurring theme of the show, Craig is being paid under the do- podcast room door. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't see anything. This is usually when you have a jolt of energy because you've been like basically, if you it's don't, it's not quite like being paid under the table. No, but uh, unless you hand Craig cash every like ten minutes, he really sort of tunes out, and that's yeah, what we're finding it, it, now. That's when my energy wanes. Yes, yes. As you, it, it's Where's tough. the money? You're like it, it, one of those high maintenance, high maintenance talent. You're like an uh, an arcade game where you have to put in money like every three minutes to continue playing. Like if you want to get Craig to continue talking, you have to hand him wads of cash. The human arcade. Anything else here before we wrap up? I'm ready to go for another hour. Okay, let's talk about the fact that the Oilers still haven't signed Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, <laughs> He's just hanging out out there. It's almost August. Oh, it's not. We've, okay. we, we've, uh, I think we've explored this one from every yes. possible angle now. I just, it just comes down to Peter Shirelli for me. I don't get it. 
I don't get what he's doing. I'm looking forward to the uh, the Oilers preview whenever we end up doing it. Oh my! Yeah, we probably need a writer on for that one. Yes. To break all that down for us. Can we just have Drysaddle on? <laughs> Can we have them? Drysaddle's agent. Yeah, just have them work out the contract on our air. We'll do a simulated arbitration. <laughs> kind of Shirelli on one line. Dry slot on the other. We'll, we'll work this out. Yeah, no, we've definitely got this happening. All right, so later this week, we're going to do two podcasts. Are we doing two podcasts every week here for the Yeah, for the foreseeable for future, yes. Okay. Uh, we did this last year, but we crammed them all into one podcast a week, and then it, they were like two-hour podcasts. So we're going we're gonna to have uh, Tracy Myers, like I said, of, of CSN Chicago on later this week, and we're going to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes. And then next week, we're still working, but we're basically going to preview three teams over the course of two podcasts every week now pretty much to the start of the season. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take us pretty much right up to, to puck drop for the regular season. So you'll have a new podcast uh, to listen to every Monday or Tuesday and also every Friday. That's how much. You can have so much podcast. Sounds we, we, like a dream we, come true. We broke them up to make them more consumable because we care. Well, I care about our handsome, intelligent listeners. And so we wanted to make a more listener-friendly product, more consumable, bite-sized fun-sized even podcast well, for you. I mean, if you're going to use that strategy, why wouldn't you just break them up into like 55-minute podcasts? Well, I don't want to annoy them. Okay. Well, too late for that. Craig, got anything else to say? I am speechless after that. All right. For Jamie Eisner, for Craig Morgan, thanks to John Rosen for joining us. I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.